Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1784. Today we're taking a journey into chrome and color. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in beautiful Victoria, Canada, where it's snowing today, just like at my house, which is a very rare occurrence here, with a very special guest by the name of Gary Foster. Gary, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a snowy ride? I am buckled up, Mark, and I'm really happy to be here with you. Great. We're going to have some fun. Now, before I dive into what we're talking about today, which is a very cool new book you've created called Chrome and Color, I want you to share one little thing that most people may not know about you, Gary. <laughs> uh, it's a good question. I think um, when I think back on it, I see that my friends are all in three very distinct circles, mm -hmm. and they don't overlap. And I don't know whether most people are this way, but I have uh, the close friends I'm associated with from interviewing them, getting to know their families, photographing their cars, and really getting into technical details. So that's one whole group of friends. And then the other is the ones I work with because I do home renovations during the day. So those are the carpenters, electricians, plumbers, city officials, etc. And that's in a completely different bubble of friends. And then um, I have a third passion on the side, which is an instructor. I teach transcendental meditation. Wow. And that's got its whole circle of friends. At the moment, it's dealing mainly with uh, the police and the military suffering from PTSD. So these three distinct groups of friends, and they don't even know the other group exists. And <laughs> so I guess in some way, I'm kind of chameleon-like. Well, it's good to have multifacets in your life. Uh, I've, I've heard that, at least, that if you just have one part of you that's always the same and you don't delve into some different things, maybe not as healthy of a life, and you're missing out on a lot of great things. And I love the fact that all these bubbles, as you call them, uh, are all evolve around fun stuff, renovation and helping people, which there's some ties there across the board. So I think that's great. And I think about TM, Transcendental Meditation, it brings me back to the, the 60s and 70s when that was kind of a big <laughs> deal. I remember my parents getting into that and I was just a kid. So yeah. I'm like, what is this hippie stuff you're doing? And, uh, <laughs> but, but now you realize, you know, meditation is so valuable, important. And so many people who've been on the show have talked about what it does to their life. So maybe we'll touch on that a little bit today. But let me give you a proper introduction first. And we're going to dive into cars a little bit today on Cars. Yeah, Gary Foster loves writing about and photographing historic automobiles. His love for design design and curves drove him to write a new book titled Chrome and Color. His are stories about craftsmanship and design with the foreword by past Cars Yeah guest and author Tom Cotter. He's been on the show many times. Gary's book is a fun, historic, visual ride through the 20s to the 60s, targeting those special cars that we've grown to love. Proceeds from this book will be donated to the David Lynch Foundation and the Canadian Women's Wellness Initiative in Canada. Both charities uh, provide relief from PTSD and for those who have been impacted by the demands of their careers during this uh, terrible COVID-19 pandemic. We'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Gary, but first a word from our sponsors. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Did you know the most damaging thing to your vehicle's interior is the sun? Harsh UV rays damage your interior over time, cracking the dash, fading colors, and the heat. 
makes getting into your favorite ride downright unbearable. My friends at Covercraft have the perfect solution for you and me. Their quality-made sunscreens are easy to use, take seconds to install and to remove, and they protect your vehicles while parked in the sun if using a cover isn't a good option. I have one for every one of my cars. They come in a variety of colors and options, and their accordion design makes unfolding and folding them up for storage as cool as the summer breeze. Your sunscreen comes custom-tailored for your special vehicles and manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. Here at Cars Yeah, I've got a savings just for you. Use the code YAH21, that's Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code YAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. American Collectors Insurance, that's how I now protect my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Are you insuring your classic vehicles on your regular daily driver auto policy? Then your special vehicles are at risk. Your regular auto insurance carrier won't tell you how much you'll get until after a claim. And more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With a agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. If you're driving your collector car less than 5,000 miles a year, do what I did. Call American Collectors Insurance and get your very own agreed value policy tailored to your specific vehicle. If you're like me, you're picky about who works on your special ride. A great policy allows you to choose your repair shop of choice, and that means you'll know the job is done right. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. I did at American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, we're back. Now, the first thing I want to ask you here, Gary, is to share a success quote or a mantra. You sound like you're a man, a wordsmith of thought and and how to better ourselves. So this is a nice way to get the inspirational tires spinning a little bit here in cars. Yeah, and since we're in a snowy day, the tires are going to be spinning. So Gary, grab the wheel. I think, yeah, I think, Mark, if I was to boil it down, I'd say the phrase, well begun is half done. And, you know, if you set yourself a task, whether you're going to be writing a book or building a home, which I had to go through here recently, that you often don't know where to start on your particular task, and it can be overwhelming. And if you just take one foot in front of the others, you find yourself on that journey uh, towards the goal. So that's what I found many times in my life, uh, particularly, say, building a home. There's so many elements, there's so much detail and bureaucracy with city officials that you can almost get into what we call the paralysis of analysis where you don't move forward on something. You just feel overwhelmed like the donkey laden down. But if you take that first step, nature just sort of starts to provide you with, okay, you need this information now, or here's the support to do that. So I'd say well begun is half done. Jump in, don't be afraid. And over time, you'll just become better and better at trusting your intuition and uh, based on past experience. It's a lot of that concept of one, you know, the how do you climb a mountain? You take the first step. 
and then you take a second step. And I've heard this from a lot of my guests, especially when it comes to the automotive sector, let's say doing a restoration. Now, a home is very much like a car restoration. There's so many bits and pieces, and it can be overwhelming. My wife and I, about 12 years ago, went through a major home remodel that got out of control in the respect that we just kept doing more and more. And at one point, it was like, I want to be done with this. I, I, why do we do this? And we made the mistake of staying in the home while it was being done, which with two little children, which made it very difficult mm. for my wife. I could escape and go to the office every day. But uh, I think the final straw was coming home one night. And she was washing lettuce in the bathtub, trying to get our meals prepared. <laughs> and tears rolling down her face. She goes, today, the contractors oh. were fighting in the kitchen. And I had to pull them apart. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's well begun. I've not heard of that quote, but I think it's great. But I get the concept. And for those of you out there that are looking at a daunting task, remember Gary, well begun is half done. Just take the first step. And then the second step will become a little easier. Maybe the third's a little harder, but at least you've learned how to take the first two, right? Yeah, you break that fear. Absolutely, you jump in. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's talk about this book of yours, Chrome and Color, C-O-L-O-U-R. You Canadians, you spell things so funny up there. I know. <laughs> I was debating about dropping the U for our great American audience. Well, I thought maybe if you're over in Toronto, more of a French influence, but you're just north of me, a little more British. But uh, I think it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great title, and it's very apropos for this marvelous book that you've done. Is this your first book, Gary? It is my first book. Wow. Um, I've been writing as, uh, you know, writing articles for years and publishing in different magazines and newspapers in several countries. But somebody, one of the car guys said, you know, you really need to compile all of this into a book. Mm-hmm. Because in a sense, I realized after I'd finished it that what I've done here is I've created a snapshot in history of the car scene. And there's a, such a full wide range of cars in here that it catches different generations, different interests. And now I'm, I'm thinking I see a a whole series of books that I want to promote because there's only so much you can put into one book or it gets too unwieldy. But I see see a, a whole series of books coming out that I think would be equally as fascinating. Oh, absolutely. When I look through this book of yours, I mean, it goes all the way back to a 1926 Essex, a 48 Tatra T87, 55 Chevy, 68 GT500, 70 Dodge RT. I mean, you spread the gamut here of all sorts of different unique cars and then dive into each of those things. Yeah, I see a series of the 20s. The 30s, the 40s, the fi- I mean, uh, could fill a library shelf here. So let's talk a little bit about books and this book in particular, because so many people want to write a book, but they don't realize how daunting it is. And the fact that you reached out to Tom Cotter, who's written lots of books, uh, to help you and do the forward for you, which I think is fantastic. Uh, so let's talk about books. I mean, what were some of the first steps that you took to go, okay, I'm going to write a book now what? Well, it's, it comes back to that well-begun is half done. I already <laughs> yes. had the articles. Right? I already had the articles, right? They'd been, you know, I'd been photographing them and compiling for a long time. Then I just had to think, which ones are going to fit a particular theme? Mm-hmm. And so I came up, because I love Chrome. I love the flamboyant cars of the 50s. The, the, the designs are incredible. And so I love Chrome. And then I realized that, you know, all these cars, some of them are painted with incredible colors. And these people spend a fortune restoring them, adding their personal flavor to it. So I thought the title, Chrome and Color, and that's a good, really good way to start. And one thing I've learned after I did the book, which fit quite well, was Jay Leno was being interviewed, and he said, 
I don't buy cars. I buy stories about cars. Yes. And when he said that, I gelled in my mind because when I'm sitting with a customer who's got, I call them customers, who's got a series of cars, now we might spend three or four hours together and I'll be photographing his car and I've got a tape recorder and I listen to what he's saying. But I'm listening for that sweet spot, that one unique gem that I can wrap the story around, something that's different and unique. I don't want to just talk about this is a 1970 car with this many doors and this much horsepower. Right, yeah. But I'm looking for that unique story. And, and the one you mentioned with the Essex, well, this was a lady who her son had passed away with cancer. So he willed his car to his son, who was eight years old. And it was a three-quarter finished hot rod. I mean, a very highly modified, beautiful car in purple and an orange color, which he, he uh, created from... Um, seeing some fish while he was scuba diving in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And so this grandmother has to say, well, suddenly an eight-year-old boy can't have this kind of a hot rod, so what are we going to do? None of the family members wanted it. So she stepped in, and she knew nothing about cars, had no interest. They were just transportation to get you from A to B. And she was in her 80s. So she stepped in, had the car shipped to her home, and then started to finish the rebuild herself and found she got oh, fascinating. Oh yeah, and people started coming to help her. She made new friends. She got it on the road. She started winning all these trophies. And she became the talk of the town. And so, you know, she didn't know where to begin. She just started in and, and she created this incredible story. Wow. And so that's okay. kind of what I look for. And I think uh, you have to do that, too, when you're thinking of the direction you're going to take with your book or your article that you're going to create. Right, because all these vehicles have lots of stories and books written about all the technical side of them. But I tell you, Gary, I've learned this after interviewing now 1,784 people, is that (laughs) this car hobby, the fascination with automobiles and the technology behind it is there's really just the catalyst to bring us all together as people. And you think about all the cars and coffees and Concours events and car events and autoramas and things across the, the world. It's really about getting together with our friends. And I know every year when I go to Pebble Beach or Millie Island or any of these car shows, you feel like these people are your friends, even though you only see them once a year. Mm-hmm. But there's this immediate attraction and fascination. You get to learn about their lives. So I love that. It's kind of like the little old lady from Pasadena, uh, you know, yeah. uh, and putting these things together. And that's what I love about your book is these stories about the people around the vehicles and what they mean. So uh, bravo on this first attempt. Now, I've got to ask you this, and I ask all my guests about challenges. What were some <laughs> of the biggest challenges of writing your first book? I think having confidence in yourself that you could you know, make something that would be of interest to people. Um, then the question comes up, well, how are you going to market your book? And how are you going to cover the costs of doing it? Because there's literally hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of hours in, in doing an endeavor like this. And, you know, I'm happy to volunteer my time. I already do that as an instructor anyway. I'm happy to volunteer my time to do it. But, you know, you have to look at the monetary side of it too. Like, yeah, how, what are you going to do with this book? You just don't want it sitting on your shelf. You want people to get out there to enjoy it. And right. you have to be able to, uh, you know, reach out. And I, that's why I really appreciated your offer to come on your show, Mark. Oh, well, you're welcome. You know, I've had so many authors and journalists on this show 
So many great books. So did you decide to take a self-publishing route? And then uh, you talk about marketing. Uh, That's usually a challenge for so many people in the book industry is, well, I've made it. Will they come? (laughs) Will they buy the book? And well, they have to know about it. So then you get in, you know, in the old days, uh, authors would travel from city to city and do book signings and people Mm. would come. Well, you can't do that now. And uh, that's very expensive and so forth. Now, I, I know if you sell a book through Amazon, there's a lot of challenges there from the money side because they need their take in all of this. So you've taken a little bit of a different route. From my understanding is this really isn't a profit center for you. You want to just sell it for what it's cost. And you're donating proceeds to two very worthy causes, which is wonderful. Yeah, it's satisfying for me. I think I, I you know, you give back and it comes back. And um, I was in the publishing industry many years ago, probably 30 years ago. And I know that yeah, you can get a wholesaler to take your book, but it's sitting on your shelf. And unless you've got a way to pull that through the book chains and into people's homes, it's a wasted endeavor. Right. But things have changed now. You know, we're in a digital age, like you and I were discussing earlier. And uh, Amazon is one way to go. But there's so many great car clubs on Facebook that if you just connect with a few of those, it's a word of mouth. It's um, it's a grassroots procedure, and that might be the new norm for distributing and sharing your book. Well, it could. When you go with these big publishers, sometimes there's not much left at the end by the time everything is done for the author, if it's a a way you're trying to make money. I love the fact, and I want to touch on it, I alluded to this at the beginning, your teaching of transcendental meditation. I know this is off the car topic, but I find it fascinating because you help people with PTS. I've had many guests on the show here who do things like that. Uh, One that comes to mind is Tib Medvets, which is a fantastic show that went down a whole nother path here where he helps people who have suffered from uh, loss of limbs from Uh, mostly war incidences, and he teaches them how to get out and climb mountains again. In fact, he took the first paraplegic to the top of Mount Everest. And, uh, you know, it's just he's he's changed his whole life about helping people. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the effects that transcendental meditation and the positive effects it's had on your life, but more importantly, the people that you help? Because what we've gone through here with this pandemic has really stressed people from a mental standpoint. And I finally got in to do my annual physical with my doctor and they just kept asking me, how are you doing mentally? How's your mental health? Mm. Like, why do you keep asking me all this? I'm fine. Are you sure? Stop asking me. (laughs) You know, maybe I'm not so (laughs) fine. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure, I can. I'm actually, I have to say, I'm riding on some really great friends on the coattails of some great friends, particularly with the David Lynch Foundation in New York. Um, quite recently, they've been involved in a very large-scale study, large-scale being about 200 veterans who learned TM, and in a controlled study funded by the Veterans Administration in the U.S., they wanted to see how TM compared to uh, the standard protocols, which is prolonged exposure therapy mm-hmm. in the uh, military for helping vets overcome their trauma from battle or, or what, have, what have you that they've encountered. And uh, the results were remarkable, and there's a much larger scale study going on right now. And so the veterans are finding, you know, the suicide rates are dropping because I don't want to get too far off topic, but more veterans are dying from suicide than they are dying um, in combat. And that's, you know, that shows you that you can prepare a man or a woman with all the latest equipment, all the incredible skills and training that they receive, 
But when they come back, they're often really broken because they're overwhelmed by the trauma of the experience when losing friends or what have you. And so what do you do then? So what the, one of the programs that they offer is called prolonged exposure, where you keep repeating the exposure that caused the trauma until the poor veteran doesn't is numb to it or it's not bothered by it. And there might be some value in that, and it's having some influence. But what they're finding is the vets love TM. It's 20 minutes of deep silence. It's deep rest. They don't have to, to deal with their trauma, their trauma because they get underneath it all. Yes. That really deep rest and relaxation neutralizes their stress. So they stay in the study. They love it. And then others, like there's um, a training school that has their cadets learning TM as part of basic training. Oh, wise. So then they go feeling more resilient when they go off to active, ser- active service. They're more resilient. And they've got that buffer, that easiness inside, and they're able to handle those traumas much better. So in that particular study, those cadets who weren't involved, they were in the control group, all started putting up their hands saying, I want into the TM group because they could see how well that group was doing. Yeah, wow. So I think we're entering a really interesting time. And if you look at healthcare workers, all the burnout must be absolutely astronomical. There are long hours with no immediate relief, incredibly long shifts. Yes. And, you know, what they're dealing with. So we're now uh, funding a abilities for them to come and learn transcendental meditation too. So it's just a really exciting time in my other passion in my life. And oh, it's of wonderful. course, cars are also my passion. Yeah, it's a wonderful. Well, you know, I've had some other guests on the show here who have helped people with PTSD by, for instance, uh, motorcycle builders who bring guys in uh, and women to build a motorcycle, a chopper. And what they've found is it gets them to focus intently on something different than what they're dwelling on mm. with their experiences at war. And the other one was uh, a gentleman who takes uh, ex-soldiers on motorcycle journeys for the weekend and they get away. And riding a motorcycle, you have to focus so much on what you're doing. Unlike driving a car many times, we can drive to work and not even remember the drive. But if you're on a bike, <laughs> you better remember the drive or you won't you won't get there. So this, <laughs> this intense focus on something else uh, is proving to be very helpful for people in this situation as well. So I can see how mm-hmm. TM would do that too. Well, bravo for, for what you're doing and discovering what a healthier way than this immersion into, let's just remind you what has traumatized you over and over and over till you don't care anymore. I can't imagine that is good for anybody. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not a physician, but that doesn't sound good to me. I think TM is the way to go. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to dive a little bit more into your personal passion for cars. So sit tight, uh, keep the peace, maybe study a little bit about transcendental meditation or any kind of meditation. I think it might help help many of us, including myself out there to uh, refocus for a little bit and find some peace in our lives. We'll be back in a minute. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, Smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. Join Linkage. 
Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yes yeah supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. Yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology. It's in high demand. You get paid really well. And you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles. And you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. All right, we're back. I'd love for you to share a story with me that instigated this passion that you have for cars. Was there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew that you were going to be a bit of a car guy? I think there was, and it goes back to about the age of 15. There was a knock on our door on a Sunday night, and nobody knocked on our doors back then. This is the probably late 60s. They just, you know, neighbors would just walk in. <laughs> wow. And when I went to the door, there was uh, a friend of my, uh, an older brother of my friend, and he said, hey, I'm moving out west, and I can't take my car with me. The engine seized. If you want it, you can have it for free. Wow. So for a 15-year-old that I loved auto mechanics at school and I was watching ABC's Wide World of Sports and the drag racing, I loved all that stuff. This was like a gift from heaven. So I went into the living room and talked my father into letting us have it. And he was okay with it because he fixed all of his own cars in the 50s and 60s. So, okay, here comes a father-son project. So that first car was given to me and uh, it was in great shape except the motor was seized. It was a 1953 Ford console, which is very narrow, tall British car, and they do not behave in the cold, sub-zero weather of Ottawa. So I learned to uh, fix the car, and I thought, this must be when I became a car guy. And when I mentioned this to my mother at one point, she said, oh, no, 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 when you were a youngster, Dad used to take you outside, and he would build a snow car for you <laughs> that you could sit in. And it had wheels and a hood How and fun. a bench seat. And she said, well, the other kids were playing in snow forts. You sat in your snow car. Snow car. And they couldn't, get me, they, they couldn't get me out of it. So this was the age of four or five. And so I think it's in my DNA. I was just attracted to them right from the start. That's funny. I've never heard of a snow car. I've heard of snowmen, but not <laughs> snow cars. So, oh, that's hilarious. Well, what was a special car in your life? Was it that 53 Ford or is there something else? Well, it would be the 53 Ford, but, you know, when you're 15 or 16, that's a great gift. But as soon as you become a little bit older, 17, 47 horsepower isn't enough. <laughs> I guess and not. And so I started looking, I started, you know, 62 miles an hour, that's all it would do. So I started looking in the newspaper, and I found a 1965 Chevelle with a four-speed. Great, small block Chevy, easy to fix. I can handle that. So I got that for the sum of $200. And it, my, I brought it home. My father looked at it and said, that's a hot rod. What are you doing? And he could see where I was going with this. Sure. Because it had two giant black stripes over the hood and the trunk. It was 10 inches higher than other cars on the road because the guy put spacer blocks in it. There was a giant hole in the floor where he had put a four-speed shifter. And the exhaust came out right underneath the front seats. And he knew right away where I was going with this. Yeah. Uh, but he was okay with it, and we fixed it up. And it wasn't until I'd gone through a few clutches, and my good friend Alex was helping me repair it, 
that he noticed, hey, this is uh, Chevy's Muncie M22 four-speed. This is that would along with the Rock Crusher, uh, Rock Crusher title that went with it. Yeah. And it was bulletproof, and it made that car just fly on the highway. Like you could do like zero to fifty in first gear, second gear you could go from fifty to sixty, but third gear you could do ninety miles an hour. So it was really great on takeoff, but terrible on corners because it was so high and it was dangerous, and the brakes were drum brakes and all of that. Sure, <laughs> but it really it really gave me a taste of you know racing and fixing cars and. And we had an awful lot of fun in that car. Yeah, the Chevelles are great. Well, here's an introspective question for you, Gary. If you were a vehicle, what would you be and why? Oh, yeah. So growing up in the 60s, I my first car chase scene that I ever watched was Steve McQueen in Bullet. And he'd fly over those hills in San Francisco in that 68 Mustang. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's. That's what I would be. It's it's a short, stocky, powerful car. You can throw it around corners. I even sewed uh, those elbow patches on my sports coat. I wanted to be like Steve McQueen. And yeah. I think, if anything, that probably would be a 68 Mustang. Yeah, what fun. I got to see the actual uh, Mustang bullet car. It was at the LeMay Museum, which is just down the road from me. And uh, Sean, who mm-hmm. owned it at the time, it since was sold at Mecham, but uh, he brought it and they had it on display for a short time. And I got to go down there with a small group, but there was only about 10 of us the night before they opened and have a little party and talk with him about the car and share the story. And I invited him to be on the show. And you listeners can listen to that show if you missed it. He talks about the history of how his dad found that car. His mom used to drive it to school every day to teach and uh, then they realized the importance of what they had, and they had to hide it away because they were afraid people were going to steal it. <laughs> and it, it was hidden away for many, many years before he brought it out. And luckily, it was never restored. So it, it is mm-hmm. as it was uh, back in the day of making that movie. So uh, there you go. Pretty cool. Yeah. We are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off some questions, get some quick answers from you. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes and the ability to write this book? I'd say uh, just to respect others um, and have great easiness about everything that you do. If I, I Myself, I hate conflict. I don't like creating enemies and uh, just great easiness and respect for others. And if you're talking about their car, information will just pour out of them. They love their marquee. They've spent a lot of time doing working on it. And, and um, I think they just connect with that sincerity. Yeah, absolutely. It's like uh, Stephen Covey's uh, seven... Habits, I love habit five, first listen to understand, then speak to be understood. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let people speak, and uh, you'll learn all sorts of things. Learn a lot more than when you're talking, that's for sure. If I could (laughs) arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Well, I'd say it could be Jerry Seinfeld, or it could be Jay Leno. They're both great car guys with huge, vast experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have an opportunity once to spend three or four hours with uh, George Barris, at a car event. Wow. This was probably about eight years ago. And he's, you know, George Barris masterminded the Batmobile and the <laughs> Dragula oh, yeah. and Monster Coach. And the stories coming out of, he had me sitting on the edge of the couch in the lobby of this hotel for four or five hours. And he was just telling me amazing stories about Dean Martin and, and um, Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson. It was rich. And so there's a lot of worldly experience in in some of these characters that have been in the industry a long time 
Yeah, what a life he had. I really wish I had been able to get him on this show before we lost him. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the best automotive advice someone else has ever offered you, what was it? Oh, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. (laughs) And yeah, that's right. That's what happened to me. You have to let that one sink in. My mother used to tell me that. And I would look at her starstruck like, what do you mean? But then she'd tell me that, you know, you're playing around with a car but you got to be very careful because there's a really dangerous nut on that car and so i started thinking okay it's got to be the nuts that hold the wheels on (laughs) or it's got to be something to do with the engine or suspension and i I just i just wasn't getting it as a 16 year old and she said it's the nut that holds the steering wheel so i thought oh yeah yeah it's that big big nut that holds the steering wheel on the column the guy behind the wheel That was it. So that's it. You just can't put an old head on young shoulders, uh, life and experience. Yeah, that's great. I love that one. Now, uh, is there a resource out there that's a go-to for you you'd like to share? Oh, absolutely. I think um, one of the best photographers I've ever seen is Michael Furman. He is absolutely incredible. I interviewed him several years ago. And what he can do with light and bringing out the beautiful curves and, and shapes of a car no one else can uh, can do. And, and he had written a book a few years ago that I purchased uh, from the Phoenix Art Museum called Courage of Steel, published by Coachworks. And it's got to be some of the best automotive photography I've ever seen in, in classic cars. Uh, he's just a master. He's awesome. He's going to be coming out with a new book this year, and I'm going to have him back on the show. He's been a guest on my show in the past. Uh, Curves of Steel sits on my shelf along with all of his other books, and he's got a new one coming. It'll be really exciting, so watch for that in the future, listeners. And that's a great segue into my next question, books. Now, obviously, we're going to list your book as a book of choice here today, Chrome and Color. And we're in the month of April. The book is going to be available this month. Once it's available, they'll have links there of how you can buy it. So sit tight. But you know what? Gary's doing something very nice today for you listeners. One of you listeners who's a subscriber on the Car Show website is going to get a free copy of this book. And he's even going to sign it for us, which I think is pretty cool. So this is how you get your name in the hat. You go to carsyout.com, click on the free book button. I'll send you my free filler up book. It's an ebook filled with what I call fuel filler fun. But more importantly, you'll get your name in the hat to win a copy of Gary's book. Thank you for doing that, Gary. Uh, You want me to list Michael Furman's book as another option under your books of choice? Sure, absolutely. Cool. We'll do that for sure. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a car today, Gary, a collector car, something fun to park in your garage and take out and enjoy. My listeners know there's rules to this game, though. You can't sell it. Once you get it, it's a keeper. You need to drive (laughs) it and enjoy it. Uh, But it's the only collector car you can have, so it needs to tick a lot of boxes. What's it going to be? Oh, I still have to drive a lot more cars to give you a really full, complete, educated, (laughs) honest answer. Well, let's just say for today. I'm going to say I drove a Porsche Boxster recently for a couple of days around the hills, and it's a beautiful car. It hugs the road. It's got a sweet exhaust note, and it's uh, it's manageable. It's not a supercar that you can't see out the the back. Um, I'd say I'm going to have to say it's going to be a Porsche Boxster. Well, that's not bad. You're not going to be terribly expensive for me today. Uh, wonderful cars. My <laughs> listeners know that Porsche is my car of choice, mark of choice, at least at least for now. I love those vehicles. 
Now, maybe we can make it a little special. Uh, they make a version called the Spider, which is kind of cool, where the top comes off. Which I know the Boxster, the top comes off anyway, but the Spider's kind of unique. You want me to add that to the options list? I'd like you to do that, Mark. And okay. I, I, anytime you want to bring it up here, okay. you can even drive it up. Oh, cool. <laughs> That'll be fun drive. Well, I've driven up in the mountains there. I did a, a tour with Henry Reisner, who owns and operates Auto Mechanica. And he loaned my son and I one of his uh, speedsters, Porsche speedsters. And we and a whole mm. group of people, about 20 of us, did a drive up from Whistler and then up in the mountains there. So you've oh. got some great driving roads <laughs> around there for sure. What color mm. would you like that Boxster to be? I think I, I, it has to be a tan interior. I like that sort of tobacco light tan inside. Yep. I don't like a dark car inside. Outside, I think it's going to be that uh, sweet blue. It's not a dark blue. It's uh, okay. uh, almost a sky blue. Yeah. It's really nice. They've also got a nice cranberry and a nice green too, but uh, not silver. I'm tired of seeing silver. Okay. But uh, yeah, I say blue. Okay, I'll pick a nice blue. They've got some great blues, Borsha does. Gary, you've taken me on a fun ride today. I want to thank you for sharing this new book, Chrome and Color, with the Garzia listeners. I want to thank you for sharing your life's journey with us today. Before I let you go and drive off into the hills in that new Boxster Spider, what's one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might share? I got this from uh, interviewing a police officer in my book. Uh, they started the uh, Saanich Police Dragster Program. And what I learned from that was it's great to build race cars, but you have to use them on the strip where they belong, not on the streets. Yeah. Keep it safe, drive drive defensively, save lives. There's a place for hot rodding, and that's not on the streets. And um, I didn't know that as a kid myself, but I'd sure like to share it now. You know, it's so important. And I had a guest lined up here, Dano, who was going to be a guest on this show. And sadly, Christmas Day, he lost his life because of these street racers. Uh, They lost control and hit a bunch of people. And he was one of them. And they killed him. And yeah, don't race on the streets. Take it to the track. There's so many great opportunities. There's car clubs, track days. There's driving events. Don't race on the streets, please. So many lives at stake here. Car can be repaired, but not somebody's life. Great advice. What's the best way for people to learn more about you and Chrome and Color? Well, I think it'll just be from the uh, website, Mark. I'm a little hard to reach because the URL is is too long to give out on the air. But they can reach me at ncom108 at gmail.com. Ncom is spelled E-N-C-O-M like Mary, 108 at gmail.com. There we go. I'll make sure I put links to those on Gary Shono's page so you can find his book. Sign up on the Cars yeah! website if you're not already a subscriber. If you already are, your name's already in the hat, so don't worry about it. Uh, but if you're not, go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button, and your name will be in the hat to win a copy of Chrome and Color. Gary, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and sharing your stories. Congratulations on your first book. Can't wait to have you back on your second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth books here. A little pressure <laughs> added there uh, for making those first bold steps. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. It's an honor to be on your show. And I also appreciate you connecting me with Tom Cotter, who graced the book with the forward. Absolutely. So um, good luck in, in your future endeavors, too. Thank you. The honor's all mine. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!